That's right, we are back for another episode of What The Football Podcast. I'm your host, Conway T. Unfortunately, we have an international break, so we are changing up this show. We're going to take it back, way back into time, and have a look at some of the greatest managers to ever don the head role at the clubs in the English Premier League. Of course, I'm joined by my host, Rudds, who is smiling for a change because he doesn't have to come on here and defend his beloved Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Rudds, how are you? Well, bit of a technical difficulty with the Rudds. I don't think he wants to be heard. We might try that again. How are you going, Rudds? Yeah, I was just saying to my wife, it's, uh, it feels good not to have a loss on the weekend. Huh? Uh, going into the week feeling, feeling, feeling a bit better, having a better outlook of life. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And Wade, what you have to say for yourself? Uh, no unbeaten run continuing for Arsenal because you got a week off and it's... Uh, into a depleted Liverpool side by the look of it. Should be an easy three points. Yeah, no, nah, it's fine, man. We'll we'll pick up from where we left off this weekend, so we should be good. But, no, nah, I would have liked us to just carry on. Obviously, when you got that momentum, you want to keep it going. But, um, cool, we move again this weekend. We do. And you know what, gents? It's, uh, it's never without incident, the Premier League. I guess we have to talk about a couple of things while we were away. The return of the... Uh, Greatest midfielder to ever don the uh, the Premier League era, Steven Gerrard, as uh, Aston Villa coach. What do we make of that? I'm happy to see him back, for one. I mean, I, I think when we spoke about our best Premier League players a few weeks ago, as you'll remember, uh, Connell had him right up there uh, in my top three. So I agree with you uh, in terms of the, the best midfielder <laughs> uh, in the Prem. I know Rudds is shaking his head. I'm sure he's, he's got something to about. He's Probably got something to say about Michael Carrick or someone, but uh, that's all right. Um, <laughs> no, I'm happy to see Stevie G back. He's he's done really well at Rangers. Different pressure, obviously. Aston Villa are a big club. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes, but I'm definitely happy to see him back in the Prem, that's for sure. Do you think it's a, it's a right move for Stevie G, uh, Rudds, given the, the Rangers? No. I think no? it's a bad move. I think it's a bad move at this stage. I think... Uh, he could have built a bit of a, a bigger brand. I know he's done well at Rangers, but he could have built a bigger brand at Rangers, continue it. I think, um, what's the end game for him? Is the end game to get the Liverpool job? Is that the dream job for him? And I think if that is the dream job, this is a massive risk because if he, if Klopp had left in two years' time and he's still at Rangers and he's still winning trophies at Rangers, then it doesn't matter. He's in the conversation for the job. And, and he's probably one of the favourites for that job, Right. At Aston Villa, if he goes in, doesn't do well, that brand and the, you know, all the goodwill that he's built over at Rangers is gone. So it's a massive risk for him. You know, if he, if anything but success at Aston Villa, then he can kiss his chances goodbye of, of the Liverpool gig. So um, for me, I think maybe it's just too much of a risk. Uh, yeah. But in saying that, we were calling the Aston Villa squad exceptional we're all saying they could be the surprise package they've got they've done good business so you know maybe he can and what i suppose what what you'd, you'd want to see from stevie g is top 10 finishes pushing for europe for him to then 
be in the running for for the Liverpool job. Anything, but I don't think most fans would want him if if that's not the case. I don't know what's your perspective on it. Like, if Aston Villa stays a mid mid table team without seeing anything exceptional from Gerard, would you be happy if he was to to become the manager next? I'm glad you asked me that question, actually, because I can tell you without a doubt, and unless you are delusional, I would only want Steven Gerrard managing Liverpool if he was successful at any of the clubs he coached. So this is not a jibe at maybe a United who have you know, appointed Ole, who quite frankly has done nothing, in my opinion. If that was Gerrard being appointed to that role, I'm I'm not so sure I'd be excited that he was coming back, simply because... You've got to have some sort of pedigree. So I think Liverpool fans ultimately, you know, Gerard's done well. He, he, he started, when I look at his managerial career, he started in the youth team or the, the, the under 18s or 16s at Liverpool. Kind of bided his time a little bit there. Um, I, I believe it began in about 16. So he did a, a year or two over there, then moved over to Rangers, um, built the platform and then, you know, got himself into a position that opened up the, uh, the Aston Villa gig. I guess the challenge for him is that it came at a time when, when these opportunities come, um, it's like, what do you do? Do you do you make the call to stay? Uh, Aston Villa are actually, when you consider it and you listen to some of the uh, ex-professionals like um, the guys that have played the game, they're a big club. You know, they may not be at the heights of what they used to be, but Aston Villa are considered a historical big club in England. So... I guess for Gerard, I agree with you, Rudds. I think it's a it's a tricky situation because he could have probably gone on and won a few more titles at Rangers and, and built up the trophy cabinet and then and then moved. But I think he's he's too driven an individual whereby he goes, he has an opportunity to get back in the Premier League at a club that I feel could potentially be in that top ten. Um, but it could go either way. And the reality is even if he does succeed to some degree at Aston Villa. That's no guarantee that he's get, getting the yeah. Liverpool job. Look, um, Brendan Rodgers did a similar thing in terms of moving from Celtic to the Premier League mid, mid-season, right? Leaving them at that stage. But he had a, he's already built a brand in the Premier League. And, and Gerrard hasn't. I think he could have still had his pick of clubs had he waited in the season. I think Gerrard is is a unknown quantity. He's, he's, he's delivering in Scotland and it seems to have paid off for Leicester with the manager who's been doing well in Scotland and maybe a, a club like Leicester or someone else could have been another option in six months time and the league is done um, but let's let's see look um, I, I'm I'm a bit scared for him I think um, Villa not too far from the relegation battle and he could be sucked into that you know and, and then, then what happens next because you've got Newcastle with Eddie Howe, who are primed to spend money. So they're going to be looking like they're going to climb out of that bottom. And, and who does that leave? So I think mo- most of us still think, even with the appointment of Dean Smith, that Norwich are going to go down. I don't think there's enough quality in there. And then you look at who's next, all right? Cardi and Ranieri could do something, but they probably still a club that's going to go down. And after that, we're looking at Newcastle, maybe Burnley, and maybe Villa. Uh, the way things are going, so um, it's 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 not an easy one. Wait, I, I guess I'll come to you quickly. If you compare him to say, and unfortunately this follows the two of them wherever they go. But if you look at someone like Lampard, who 
started at Derby, if I'm not mistaken, did, did, did a little bit of magic there. And then, you know, took on the mantle of going to, to, to Chelsea, which in my opinion, epically failed in the end um, and was the wrong appointment. Do you think Gerard has gone about his um, development a little bit, a little bit more cautiously? And is this the right move for him at the right time? Do you see it being a, a good option for him at this time? Uh, look, it's as you guys mentioned, it is a risk, right? So coming to the Premier League, he's going to be under pressure straight away. Every manager is in the Premier League. You need results and you need them now. And he's coming into a club now who's already on the back foot. What, they've lost four or five in a row. Um, and they had high expectations this season. I mean, I thought getting rid of um, Smith was probably a bit premature for them. I think he should have been afforded the opportunity to turn it around especially after the season they had last year. They made some exciting signings. You're going to have your dip in form. Like the Premier League's like that. You know, you've got to turn up every week. So um, going from Rangers to Villa, I mean, Rangers are a big club. I know the Scottish League is, is obviously, it's a, it's a two-horse league. Of course, we all know that. But Rangers are a massive club as well. So the demands there are high. They expect to win. And he's exceeded expectations at Rangers. I mean, didn't he go season unbeaten? Um, there, so he's exceeded expectations. You know, to to do that is still very impressive. And I mean, going from Derby to uh, Chelsea, that's a massive jump. You know, Derby haven't been in the Premier League; they haven't been successful in who knows how long. You know, um, so I, I think that was way too big a jump for Lampard to make, um, especially a, a job like Chelsea where things go wrong and you're out of there. There's no wasting time whatsoever. If Gerard does well this year, if he can just steady the ship this year for Villa, um, you know, get them a decent finish, maybe somewhere close to the top 10, and he goes all right next year, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll, he'll obviously be, be afforded a bit more time than Lampard was at Chelsea. So mm. um, it's one of those situations where if the job comes about, you have to grab it. You know, who knows when he might not have got this opportunity again at the same time. So we can talk about it being a risk. But then it's like if he if he misses out and let's say things start going a bit pear shaped at Rangers, does he get this opportunity again from his perspective, right? So yeah, it's but, a catch twenty two. Rangers, Rangers and Celtic, that's you know the amount of money they spend dwarfs everyone else in that league. So it's really a two horse yeah. race in that league. So it's it really you know, is. You're, you're really hard to fail in, in to that level. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from from the achievements. I think knocking Celtic off off their perch. Or going, I think, for their 10 title in a row is, is impressive. So I'm not taking anything away, but there's been pl plenty of managers that have been successful in Scotland who have come to the Premier League and have not been so. And, sure. and you know, you said you get afforded more time than Lampard, Willie. You know, in, in two months, three months' time, if Villa are in a proper relegation battle, how long are they going to keep patience with, with Stevie G? You know, it, it's one of those where, you know, when, when the livelihoods are at risk, and, and survival's at risk, they'll end up, you know, going for a known quantity. And next thing you know, there's big Sam back in the league. So, um, yeah, yeah look, I think it'll it'll take like something like you're saying, a relegation scrap. Then, yeah, of course, he's going to be under pressure. Any manager would, you yeah. know. But if he can have a decent year this year, I think they'll yeah. he can push on next year. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's. It's the prem, so he's gonna yeah. he's gonna have to hit yeah. the ground running. Yeah, a decent right? year for so. him, I think. For if 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 he finishes anywhere above seventeenth place, he's done okay. Wow! Yeah, seventeen. Yeah, look, Jeez. 
Look, he hasn't I had think, great season. He's coming in, he's coming in mid-season. He's just got to survive. He's just got to yeah, survive. Say, if he I would say that Villa, Villa's expectation is that's the reason they got rid of Dean Smith is that 17, 16, survival is one thing, but they they don't, from from the things I hear coming out of Villa, they are not there to just finish 16, no, 17. Yeah, they yeah. are there to get into the top 10 and compete in Europe. I mean, Dean yeah. Smith, for crying out loud, came back a couple of weeks ago and said, our goal this season is Europa League, yeah. like getting to the European spot. So I think for Gerard, I agree with you, Rod. The pressure's on. And being, like if he's hovering in that 16, 17 position, I feel like they'll show him the door and they'll bring in that 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 manager that'll, you know, secure them, but also push them further up. So I do agree. I think the pressure's on from day dot, but um, we'll wait and see. It's good to have him in the Premier League. Of course, Liverpool fans are looking forward to December 11th, I think, where he actually returns to Anfield with Aston Villa. And I remember reading some comments on some uh, some fan sites where it said if, if Villa won that game... Uh, the fans don't know how they'll re- actually react. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be a strange one. It's interesting because now overnight, pretty much every single Liverpool fan has, has Aston Villa as their second team, right? So, or has a yeah. soft spot for Aston Villa. So that, that's one way to, gra- to gain a, a massive supporter base, right? Uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I guess we'll, look, we can go on all night about chair, but I want to shift gears, maybe give it two minutes and uh, talk about Dean Smith's appointment at Norwich. I guess ultimately, just really quickly, Wade, do you see him turning that around and, and saving them, or are Norwich done and dusted? I can't see. I can't see it happening. Honestly, um, I think they're too far gone at this stage. I don't think they have the personnel to go the distance in the Prem as well. You know what I mean? Um, they're, they're a team that wants to attack. They want to play on the front foot, but they can't defend, you know, and they get caught out every single game. So he's going to have to go there and try and give them a bit of solidity, uh, maybe restore a bit of pride, you know, and at least try and go down fighting because the way they've started the season, I think I've, you've, you've mentioned it a few times, Connor, like they're on, they're on track to have one of the worst seasons on record, you know, if they keep going the way they are. So... Um, it's a tough job. I don't see him turning it around. I, I can see him stabilizing them a bit. I actually like what he, he's done at, at Villa previously. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And if he does end up turning it around, that'll be a big slap in the face to Aston Villa because that would mean they've got rid of a very good manager there. So let's see how he goes. Yeah, well, you know, the other thing with... Uh, Norwich, they just beat in Brentford, and that brings Brentford into the conversation of, of whether they um, are as safe as we maybe would have thought earlier on. It, it's, it's. I think the point was a good appointment. I think they will afford him more time, even if they get relegated, as they did with Daniel Farker. Uh, I think they probably know Dean Smith has more pedigree in the Premier League than Daniel Farker, um, given the opportunity to build a squad. And let's see. Let's see what he does. You know, I, I agree with you. It would be a massive slap in the face for, for Villa if Norwich are the ones that survive. And by them surviving, it would probably mean that Aston Villa get dragged into that fight without being relegated unless Stevie G goes, on, goes off on a flyer. Certainly interesting times ahead in the Premier League and uh, we will wait with bated breath to see how it unfolds for Steven Gerrard and, of course, Dean Smith at Norwich. We're going to shift gears now and we're going to go back uh, back in time, I guess, with the boys in, in trying to see 
who they rank as the top five managers of the Premier League era. Powered by Riverside FM. So, gents, I guess, uh, yeah, but maybe a bit of another nostalgia week given the international break. We had a talk and we thought, you know what, let's dive in and, and see what the top five managers of, uh, of the Premier League era might be. No doubt this is going to create some debate, but I thought I'd start us off with our... We have another co-host in, in, in the building. I won't mention any names, but he's given his top five. And I might start with his uh, fifth prediction and we'll work our way back. But Jose Marino. He's, you know, close, um, and I think what I like about him is the way he deals with the media at the most difficult times. So, but I still put him number five. So there you have it, uh, number five, Jose Mourinho. Wade, who is your fifth? I guess what we'll do, guys, we'll go around, give our five, number five only, work our way up to number one. So every time we get to the next one, I'll play a soundbite from the from from our guest. And we'll go from there. So in fifth place, he has Jose Mourinho. Wade, who do you have and a bit of a reason why? Yeah, so I know we were talking off air about, you know, we're going all the way back and stuff like that to right to the beginning. I mean, Rudd's was throwing some crazy names at us. He's, I see he's got his <laughs> notebook there as well. So I'm, I'm worried about what's going to come from Rudd's. But obviously to be just fair, a, to be to yeah. be fair, that notebook looks like it's from 1892. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so look, I'll, I'll first start by shouting out some of the old guys. Herbert Chapman transformed Arsenal. Um, Shankly and Paisley, that era at, at Liverpool was insane. Obviously, Paisley, six titles in something like nine years. Matt Busby building two really good United teams. Brian Klopp, uh, Brian Clough, sorry, at uh, Forest as well. So I just want to give a big shout out to those guys because, I mean, they, they obviously will be etched in the history books forever. But I'll probably look at it from a more modern perspective. Um, and if we're going with number five, firstly, I'm going to go with Klopp. Um, I think, obviously, winning Liverpool's first title in 30 years, um, playing some of the best football in Europe, arguably the best football in Europe, I mean... You know, the players he's brought through as well. They weren't big signings when they came in in this modern era as well, like your Mane and your uh, Salah and your Firmino. He didn't go out and pay 60, 70, 80 million for these guys. But what he's been able to do with them and the system he's been able to build at Liverpool, um, I love watching Liverpool play as, as, a, as a neutral. Um, they're so attacking. I love his style. I love his charisma as well, the way he is with the media. Um, you can see he's a fan favorite, and you can see his players would run through a wall for him. So I've got Klopp at, at number five. Rudds, your thoughts on your your one at number five? Yeah, so maybe it just it just misses the Premier League era. Um, but as a Liverpool manager, that's not Klopp. So I've gone uh, King Kenny Dalglish is my number number five. You know, to go from a player to a manager to win three titles to leave. You know, ends up at Blackburn Rovers in the second division and then takes that team to the Premier League and then wins the league. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I try to keep managers I've seen. So I actually wrote the same managers that you have um, in terms of notable mentions. So I've got Busby, Shankly, Paisley, Clough. Uh, actually, I also got George Graham um, in terms of uh, what Arsenal had done. So, uh, you know, like you said, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that. But importantly for me, I hadn't seen any of those teams play. So I can't talk to 
what I've seen from the management style. I mean, I, I have, you know, Kenny Dalglish is Liverpool. I would have been still walking in nappies, but I can still recall the aura that that team had. And then I did see his his Blackburn team. So um, he definitely makes makes that list as my number five. Look, and it's it's interesting you say that as well. I guess um, you know, Wade, you you touched on it. We don't have to to reiterate, but de- definitely shout out to every single one of those managers. If it, if it was all time, you know, Bob Paisley would be to me right up there in terms of of, of managers and and trophy halls and, and things like that. So, I think we we we've acknowledged the past managers and they definitely in the conversations. But you know, I guess a lot of our listeners will will don't know the the league pride in '92 because they were still you know, not born and probably never followed it before. They only know the Premier League, so we, we're trying to stay there. I guess in fifth spot, I'd I'd, uh, I'd probably agree with Rods, but I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe uh, be a bit uh, cheeky and say it's a tied fifth, and I'll uh, explain why. But I, I do agree with you, Rods, because uh, King Kenny, from what he did as a player um, to transition to that 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 coaching role, but then go on to Blackburn and then come back to Liverpool in a time of need and still walk away with a cup during that time. Now, some people outside of Liverpool might not see that as success, but we were going nowhere. And Roy Hodgson was our manager for goodness sake. Prior to that, he took us and then Kenny came back, took us to an FA cup final, uh, which we lost, but then won the league cup. So having won the title with Blackburn as well, I think cemented his, his, his true managerial prowess. So definitely King Kenny. And I'd probably tie him off there. I don't like the man. I can't stand him, but Jose Mourinho will probably tie fifth for me, purely because he came in and he broke the monopoly in a way of, of United and 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 Arsenal, um, and and did it quite, um, you know, quite uh, with a big statement with the way they went about winning that league. So yeah, I, w- I would tie King Kenny and, and Jose in fifth. So if we're going to shift to fourth spot, I guess uh, we'll hear from our 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 pundit. Um, fourth, I'd probably go with Sir Alex. Um, slightly in front of Jose Mourinho because Slara Alex has done it for longer, been at it longer. I just think he was in an era where it was man management. It wasn't all this stuff, you know, all the back staff, all the back room thing and everything. It was man management and Alex was probably the best at that. Jose- no doubt a controversial statement by our guest, but he has Sir Alex Ferguson in fourth spot and I guess he's taking the view of Yes, Sir Alex Ferguson was the most successful, but I might hand it over to our United uh, uh, supporter. Yeah, you know, he's probably coming from the angle that man management was more a thing during Sir Alex Ferguson's days. Um, and, yeah. and that's why he has him in fourth spot. So what do you make of that? Uh, Fergie transcended a few different eras. I think um, a lot of people thought when Jose came in, that was it for, for, for Fergie. His time was up. That time of... Um, man management doing it um, has come and gone, but he continued to to compete and he continued to win win trophies um, with with those kind of managers. So uh, I, I don't quite understand that. I, uh, well, who I do you have in fourth? Let, I know you're emotional now. Let's let's stay on track. I got Jose who Mourinho as my fourth? number fourth. Um, so Jose Mourinho has, has come in. He was the special one. Jose Mourinho was blockbuster when he came into the league. You know, you could almost argue yeah, he was a big, bigger name than the club, um, bigger name than Chelsea. And, um, you know, he's come in, he's won three league titles. I mean, that, that's the same amount of titles as, as Arsene Wenger um, during his time. And I know there's a lot more money spent for Jose and, 
and and the figure he is. But you know, I just can't look past him in terms of the impact he's had on world football. One of the best um, in the world. Obviously, he's he's come off a cliff um, over the last few years, but I still can't look past his achievements. So you know, and that and that's ignoring the stuff he's done um, outside of the league, um, which is which speaks for itself as well. So. I think uh, I'm, I'm happy with, with Jose number four. Well, Wade, I'm going to come over to you. I had to save uh, the conversation there. I saw a twitch in Radza's eye when we spoke about Sir Alex coming in fourth. So uh, what do you think of uh, fourth position and who do you give it to? I actually had a twitch in my eye as well when I had that call, to be honest, you know, and I'm an Arsenal fan. So that, that was a little bit surprising for me, but... I've actually got Jose fourth as well um, for a lot of the reasons Rudd's mentioned. I mean, that, uh, that Chelsea team with that defense where they conceded 15 goals, I mean, that season was just incredible, right? Obviously, he had a bit of money behind him as well. Uh, let's not forget that. You know, he did spend quite a bit of money on that team. But uh, just such a character, you know, as an Arsenal fan. I know Arsenal fans hate the guy, can't stand him, and we were linked with him recently. I thought he was over the hill. Didn't want him anywhere near the club, to be honest. Um, after that Man United stint, for me, I, I thought he was done. I, I still think he's probably done at the top level um, now. But I love watching his press conferences. So much charisma. Um, you know, he'll always give you something to talk about. Especially when the chips are down. You know, the way he blindly backs his players, takes the, the heat off them and sort of absorbs all the pressure from the media. Um, and you can see why these, these teams loved him and his players loved him. You know, he's just got that that personality that just draws you in. And obviously, you know, so hard to beat um, his teams, the way he sets them up. Not great on the eye, but, you know, so efficient. And obviously, his trophies speak for themselves uh, for themselves as well. So I've got him as my number four as well. Yeah, I think the challenge with these lists when I think about it is we, you know, we obviously focus and I don't want this to become, okay, who is the most successful manager and that makes them the best. But, you know, admirable shout outs to me go to people like um, Pochettino and even Tony Pulis. And I'll I'll tell you why Tony Pulis, he brought us aside like Stoke City, who everybody effectively hated, but he kept them a Premier League team for seven, was it seven straight years? Yeah, it's very hard that a, a team comes up from those lower divisions and actually stays in the league for that long. So, you okay, ultimately, Eddie Howe in there as well. Eddie Howe, you know, these yeah. are managers with limited budgets, almost yeah. well and truly performing above where they should, uh, in, in a way, by staying in the Premier League where yeah. the cash cow never ends. You know, Pochettino, I know Arsenal fans laugh at him, but he took a, a, a below average, if you will, Spurs team that wins nothing, goes nowhere. And I know they ultimately didn't actually win anything under him, but he made them a regular top four team. And he also got them to the greatest stage, which is the European Cup final. You know, something that Arsenal over their years have actually never won. Yet they, you know, probably share the same record of making a final each. So admirable shout outs to them. I digress a little bit, but I did want to give them a shout out. I guess in fourth spot for me would um, would probably be at this stage um, um, Klopp. And I would say that from a reason of, you know, what he has done specifically, again, if you look at Liverpool, 30 years without a title, we've literally searched the earth for a manager that can bring that back. But he hasn't only transformed, and I'm talk, I guess that's why Jose forms falls fifth for me. He's a manager that comes in, does his thing, leaves, and then leaves like the place in a complete mess. 
I like a bit of continuity. And I think once Klopp actually finishes, the continuity is there. He is instilling the, 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 the way Liverpool play, not only in their team, but all the way down the structures. And there's a system clearly going about the entire team of Liverpool. So I think what he's done is, is amazing for the club. Um, and I'd probably have him have him in, in fourth spot for those reasons. So I guess we'll go back to our pundit and yeah, who he has in in third spot at this point in time. Um, I'd put um, I'd put Klopp third because I think Klopp is just beginning. I think he will definitely get even better, but his outlook and everything that he's done at the club and the future with the kids and all that, I think he, he's got another ten years coming forward. So I think he's a third at the minute, but could quite easily be number one in a couple of years. Um, Wade, where would you go with your third position? Who would be your man that fits into that, Bill? So in third, uh, I've got Pep. Um, you know, what can you say? The guy's transformed the league. Um, I remember watching his early games. I was actually thinking about it when I was uh, doing this list. And he had Claudio Bravo in goal. And they were just getting caught out trying to play from the back. And I think for the first, like, 10 or 12 games... I was watching this going, nah, surely this can't continue. I don't know if you guys remember how it just looked like they were going to concede all the time because they kept giving the ball away at the back and, uh, you know, trying to trying to do this thing by, by playing from the goalkeeper and building forward. And I'm thinking, nah, he's going to get caught out in the Premier League. This is not Spain. They don't have as much time, you know, but he persisted with it, didn't he? Uh, he's stuck by his principles. Um, he obviously went out and, and spent a bit of money as well to get the players that he needed. And now you're watching teams like Brighton playing out from the back, you know, um, just a transformational, a transformational manager, obviously the success that's followed as well. Um, they've been the dominant team of, of probably this era. I think they've won what four now, three or four premier leagues, um, three, three in the last, what, five years that he's been there. I mean, it's four, three or four. Nice he's won three of the last four. Three of the last four. Yeah, that's right. Three of the and last three four. three in the five seasons he's been three there. Three in five seasons that he's been there. So, I mean, the dominant manager for the last half decade. Um, and still, they still his team still plays so well to this day. So, um, yeah, I've got him as my number three. Rudds, where are you at on this one? Yeah, look, I don't have Klopp on my list at all. I think um, by the time he leaves Liverpool, he may make my list. Um, I think um, it won't be... I couldn't put Klopp ahead of Kenny and I couldn't put him ahead of Jose. So um, I think um, what they've achieved and what they've done and how they transformed the teams that, were, that they've gone to um, was of equal nature, if not higher. Um, so uh, he's not on my list for number three. I actually got Pep as well. So And I've actually written down a lot of the same words that that um, that Wade has said, so transformative. So, you know, you're talking about Claudio Bravo, you know, so he's one of those that, there's 11 ball players. So he wants a goalkeeper who plays with his feet, who becomes a player. And Edison is one of the best playmakers in the league. The way he sees the game and how, so how many of the attacks start from Edison, it's just a different view of the game. And I think for me, uh, without a doubt, he is the best manager in world football um, as today. Um, I don't think there's any manager better than Pep. Um, I think he plays the best football in the world. Um, I, I, I enjoy the tiki-taka stuff. 
Um, he's come from the the the, the Croix school, um, and he's made it his own, um, and and has transformed transformed the team so much so that you've got teams like Brighton and others that want to play in that way. And there's, and there's many more that want to emulate what Pep's done because us as fans and consumers of the sport, we appreciate it. So um, he's definitely on on the list as number three for me. Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. Again, I don't want this to be who has achieved the most in the league, but who do I consider the best manager? And, you know, Pep is right, right up there in all-time greatest managers, not just in this league, but ever. So, tricky one, tricky one. But I guess third third for me, it's it's a hard one. But um, I'm probably going to go with Wenger. Um, and I'm going to go with Wenger because he, he could have easily been number one and he could have easily been number two for me. I think what he did for the game was transformative in England. Again, I, I'm looking more than just the titles they won, but Arsene Wenger literally transformed English football by bringing in and introducing a whole new way of life um, in terms of the, the diets and the, you know, the, the analysis of the game. He brought continental football in a way in a much greater speed um, to the English game and also the knowledge behind it. So what he did for, for, for the English game was, was something that probably needed to happen at that time. And it probably added a level of professionalism to English football that wasn't there before. The culture of drinking and, and probably smoking. Um, who was I listening to the other day? That I think it was Frank LeBeuf or whoever it was that smoked his whole career. And I guess he played towards the latter part of his uh, um, uh, career in, in the English league. But I think what Wenger did, breaking that United uh, stranglehold, for me, um, the, the style of football that Arsenal played, um, and also the, 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 what's the word, the faith in the youth that he put there as well was something to behold. So for me, he slotted into to number three. I guess we'll shift again and listen who this, uh, who this guy has at number two. I'd put him number one. Pep Guadalajara, because I saw last year at first hand, I saw his teams. I have never seen team a, a team, the movement, etc. David Silva, the best player I've ever seen in the Premier League. And I think Pep's just taken it all on board. He's had a few years, so he's, he's, he's been in front of a few. But I think he's, he's with just an amazing... Um, I think his influence on part the parks, the, the lower down leagues, I think his influence has been fantastic. So I put Pep second. Sorry, just to clear that up for the listeners, Pep was put second by our, our guest on the show. Rudz, who was in your, your second spot? I think I can guess this one. It's probably Wenger. It is Wenger. For all of the same reasons you put, I think he he did change the game. He got rid of the old boy mentality. He changed the the outlook and that filtered through not only Arsenal team, but for to the rest of the league. It set the new standard in terms of what professional football looks like in England. Um, you know, he cleared, cleared house and in doing so, continued to play really good football, really attractive football. Um, the teams he built were, were impressive and they were worthy rivals of United at the time. I think um, that that rivalry was legendary um, for for lots of reasons, not just the managers, but some of the players and the battles uh, and some of those, those those games between Man United and Arsenal and climaxing with the, the invincible team. So it, it's a shame that the direction of the club 
I think the Richmond club maybe failed Wenger a little bit in terms of um, the resources he needed to continue to compete. But he did compete and, and getting to the top four consistently with what he had, um, you know, the means he had, it was actually remarkable. You see how tough it is now for that to, to be sustained for so long. So, um, yeah, look, um, Wenger's number, number two, easy. Sounds like an easy one there for Rudds. I guess we won't uh, hold our breath for his number one. But Wade, uh, this might be interesting. Who do you have as your number two, sir? Uh, I wanted to be controversial. Yeah, I really, really <laughs> did. Eh? But I was, I was so close to it. You know, I wanted to make it another Leicester versus the Invincibles type situation. But um, now nah, I've, I've got Wenger as well as my number two. Um, you know, I think he's he falls into a category of his own. I mean, obviously, for all the reasons you guys mentioned, um, you know, the professionality that he brought to the league, reviving that back five who really had no right to kick on, you know, Adams, Dixon, Winterburn, um, Bold. So, yeah, um, one thing you guys didn't mention, though, which I'll, I'll probably bring up is the gems that he used to find. Yeah, like these unknown players for next to nothing and they used to just come and set the league alight. I'm just I'm having a look at some of his best signings now. Robert Perez was pretty much an unknown factor when he came in. Struggled early. Uh everyone said he's too soft, he's not gonna make it. And you know, I think he's probably the player in that invincible season that doesn't get spoken about enough because he was phenomenal in that invincible season. He almost transformed wing play right? He used to cut in and score those goals. And now you, you see everyone doing it, you know, cutting in from, he used to play on the left uh, as a right footer. And then he used to just cut in and you see that happening often now. Emmanuel Petit, um, who formed such a great partnership with Vieira, 2.5 million. Um, obviously, Nicholas Analka, um, the famous story, bought him for, I think, 500,000, sold him, and then we built our training ground. Um, the guy was just a visionary, you know, and, um, Unfortunately, because of the business model, um, leaving Highbury and going to the Emirates Stadium, um, you know, we mentioned the fact that he wasn't properly backed. Our goal when we left Highbury, sadly, was to pay off the stadium. That's all we ever heard for years. You know, we got to pay off the stadium. And, you know, he was also the brains behind that, you know, building Highbury Square over Highbury to pay off so much of the stadium as well. I think the guy's got a, a master's in economics. So extremely intelligent man, still a visionary now, you know, head of head of football, FIFA, global development. I mean, he's just a footballing brain. So, um, yeah, I've, I've got Arsen as my number two. <laughs> Should I be controversial or shouldn't I? That is the question. I guess, yeah, I, I like um, managers who, who set a trend and transform the game. And I think managers like um, Klopp, Guardiola, Wenger, um, styles of play that they brought to the game were never seen before and will and, and will forever change the English game as a whole. Guaranteed that when Klopp and, 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 and um, Pep leave, and you said it already, teams like Brighton and that, it'll transcend through to the other teams. Um which is why I probably have a couple ahead of, you know, bringing up Jose Mourinho earlier. I feel like his style of football is his style of football and that's always been there and that's probably never going to change. Um, 
I've been having and hiring about the second just listening to you guys because I keep swapping them over. But I really want to be controversial. Yeah, I genuinely do. And you know what? I will be. I'm going to put Sir Alex Ferguson a second. Um, and I'm going to put him a second because I think in terms of the number of titles he's won, it, it goes without saying. Definitely the most successful manager there's ever been. Um, easily, hands down. Uh, much like Bob Paisley, I'd put them those two as the the most successful managers in terms of of, of trophy holds. Um, United style at times when I used to watch them, you said it, Rudd, it wasn't always the most entertaining, kind of ground out results, um, uh, but got the job done and had a mentality of always winning. And, and one thing with Ferguson, with the legacy manager like that, I, and that's the hard part. You're never going to get a Fergie in that stay for 25 years at a club anymore it's just it's just not going to happen so it's very hard to compare anyone to people like that but if we just break it down into, into you know um, bite-sized bits i think i'd put him i'd put him um, second purely for the the success that he achieved with churning over teams so you know as one team parted he was able to create another one and so that that continuing winning mentality uh went on so for me it's probably Sir Alex Ferguson at, at number two. Started if I was picking my top five managers, it's, I might be completely different to anybody else, but I would pick Arsene Wenger as number one, only because he changed the whole outlet outlook on, on modern footballers. He brought so many things in that had never been thought of. Uh, the, you know, the, the nutritionists, the fitness guys, everything, the videos, technology. So I, I think Wenger changed the whole course of it when he came into the Premier League. I'd put him number one. And I might just drive straight in, boys, since I'll finish off with my number one. But you can see it's, you know, it's opinion based and people shouldn't have hard feelings about what people decide. But for me, the manager that transcends the English Premier League, he's transcended the Bundesliga. He's transcended the Spanish league. He's done it all. And you sit back and behold his teams as, as Pep Guardiola. Um, you know, if, if Pep Guardiola stayed for 20 years at, at Manchester City, I think they'd win 21 or 22 titles. That's how efficient his teams are. So the fact that they win and constantly churn out the same level of performance, regardless of who is on that field, to me speaks of... Yeah, something greater than uh, we've probably ever seen. Um, will he stay there for 25 years? No, which is why it's, you know, it's it's not fair to compare him to someone like a Sir Alex Ferguson. But to me, in terms of style of play, in terms of watchability, in terms of, you know, I guess what he's done at Manchester City as well. Um, and yes, he's had, you know, copious amounts of money, but all the rich clubs do. At the end of the day, his football for me is probably up there with the best I've ever seen or the purest. Don't get me wrong, Klopp is exciting, but just watching it from a purest point of view, he plays the game the way it should be and they literally destroy teams in doing it and he does it year after year. So for me, Pep Guardiola is certainly number one. Wade? Uh, yeah, so I've obviously got Fergie um, as my number one. Uh, you know, obviously, you speak about the success, and, and that goes without saying, um, you know, the longevity as well as the success, you know, continuously just winning. Transcended errors as well, you know, started, you know, early 90s, 92, 
uh, had a bit of a rough start. The way he brought through the kids there, um, you know, that, that famous class of 92. Um, and just everything that followed, you know, you mentioned Cl- uh, uh, Pep is your number one there, Connell. And I, I think we could probably all say Pep is probably the most tactical uh, manager that we've seen. Probably will go down as the most tactical manager of all time, arguably. Um, but Fergie didn't have, you know, he wasn't known for his, his tactics, right? Uh, we've spoken about his man management. And I think that even makes it more impressive, you know, because as the game evolved, Managers were getting more tactical. They were finding other ways to win. Arsene Wenger came in and he played a brand of football that was so exciting. And he was, you know, you could see he, he was tactical, a tactical manager as well. Fergie wasn't that. He just had players who, yes, he had great players. Of course, you can't deny that. But it was more about him motivating them. It was more about his teams going that extra mile. I mean... I remember, you know, Fergie time, and you just knew a goal was coming at some stage, you know. He used to will his teams on, um, and it was nothing to do with tactics. It was all heart. Um, I remember sometimes when we played them, and he just used to stack the midfield. He, uh, he had the, uh, what were those twins that used to play for you guys? The What were their names again, Those the twins? Fabio and Rafael. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That, and then he played... Uh, park in midfield and he, he used to play he used to like just flood the midfield at times and we we, we couldn't win um mm. and it was just such a great battle to watch because you just knew uh Wenger would have been pulling his hair out because he would have been up nights before you know trying to plan how am I gonna beat this team how am I gonna get one over Fergie and you know Fergie just always seemed to get the better of him so you know, the fact that he wasn't known as a tactical manager, but he still won trophies in so many different eras, um, I just speaks to, it just speaks to the genius of the man. So um, I've got him as my number one. Yeah, look, hard to agree, uh, disagree, Wade. Um, with, uh, with Fergie, Pip's had a squazillion uh, back to wherever he's gone. He's had a lot of money um, at all the clubs. And that's not to take away from, you know, what he's achieved and, and the football he's played. But, you know, he, he's been able to to buy and build that team. I think management is multifaceted. So we're not just talking about how you play in the football. There's a number of elements to it. You know, how are you developing the young squad? So you're coming with a team of, you know, a whole team of young players and winning the league. And then from there, you know, each team has a cycle where they build a team that challenges and then they start a new phase where they've got to rebuild. Whereas Fergie continued. He knew when to take players out, bring players in to continue the momentum of the team without having a massive rebuild. So that, you know, that, that was something that wasn't done by accident. It's something that, you know, he, he managed. He managed that squad. He managed the club. And, and the fact that United are living under that massive shadow without being able to reproduce anything of the like since he's left, speaks to how great that man was. You know, it's hard. 13 titles, you know, the game has changed. The game's moved on. The the need for instant success is such that it's hard to see a manager staying at any club for that period of time. So I think that, that was that's that re- that's going to be a record that, that I can ne- cannot see being broken with 13 league titles. I think um, I spoke about uh, Shankly, oh, sorry, it was Paisley with six titles. You know, um, Fergie got more than double that. 
so it's, it's I don't think that'll ever be broken. So Colin Lukpasvig is is the best manager to ever grace the Premier League. Yeah, maybe if he actually won a couple more European titles, I would have given it to him. But he just wasn't good enough. It's just anyway, two, shifting just the two gears. One, right? I, I don't know how many. <laughs> How, how, how many did uh, Pip win so far with uh, Man City? To remind me, <laughs> how many? Uh, Pip hasn't won any with Man City. So <laughs> <laughs> I was actually kind of compared to Paisley. I think Paisley won two or three, if I'm not mistaken, if not four. But anyway, I think great conversation, and this is what it can be. It's open to debate, and ultimately, it's uh, it's been a bit of fun talking about that. But Rads, we're going to shift gears. We're going to head over to, uh, of course, our Mister Trivia. And you're going to shift us into our next segment. So what do you have for us this week? Wow, I must say, I'm still, I'm still uh, quite impressed with Wade clawing back last week. You know, he got two from two last week, closing the gap. I think Connell might be uh, in a bit of strife now. Um, I think uh, Wade <laughs> the is... The pressure's on. The, the pressure's, pressure's on. on him now. The pressure's on. I think Wade is, has found his mojo. Um, and he's got... <laughs> I think he's he's found his feet in this game, so um, yeah, I think they're fairly easy this week. Um, I'm pretty sure you both will get them quite quickly. Um, but I've I've said that before and I've been wrong before, so let's see. So let's just let's just get. I, I, I actually just jump the gun again. Are these Premier League players currently <laughs> playing? Let's just tick that box and move on. <laughs> okay, one one definitely is. Um, no, sorry, no, they're both are. They're both are. They're both playing. They both are currently, yeah. In both, the Premier League. They both are currently <laughs> playing in the Premier League. I'll say yes. Okay. I'll say um, yes. This no. sounds very weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's okay. Go. You ready to go? You know this. Yeah. I'm going to talk about uh, a player and um, giving you a few facts, taking you through his career, and let's see who who's, who's the first to guess who the player is. So I was born on the 8th of September in Maya. I fell in love playing the game in the streets with my brother Ricardo. When I was 12, my father wanted to immigrate to Switzerland to, for us to pursue a footballing career there. Um, I chose not to go as I was convinced that the standard of football wasn't as good in Switzerland that, than it was in my home country. Through my junior years, I actually played as a centre-back. It was a coach who had said to me, I could be a great player playing a centre-back, or I could just be a, a good player as a midfielder. When I was 15 years old, I went on loan as a junior to a team called Pastelera. Thiago Silva. No. I, I went to a team called Pastelera, where the coach transformed me into an attacking midfielder. I started my professional career when I was 17 in Italian Serie B team, Novara. In fact, during my time at Novara, I was nicknamed the Maradona of Novara. La Salsa. Who was that? La Salsa. No. After helping the club <laughs> first, in my first season, I had offers from Juventus and Inter Milan. However, I instead chose to move to Udinese in a co-ownership deal with the promise of more first-team football. I made my de debut for the club in a 3-0 loss against Inter Milan and I scored my first goal in a 3-3 draw against Napoli. 
In 2016, I made a move to Sampdoria on loan with an obligation for them to buy. I made 33 appearances for Sampdoria, scoring 5 goals, with the team finishing in 10th place. In 2017, I made um, another move to a team in my home country, this time on a 5-year deal worth 8.5 million euros. I made my what debut year? 2017. I made my debut in a 2-0 win against Deportiva dos Aves. I scored four goals. Ferran Torres? No. I scored four goals in my first five league games. My first appearance in the Champions League came in a 3-2 group stage win against Olympiacos. It's also a game Bernardo that I scored Silva? in. Bernardo Silva, no. Uh, I was called up to the national team in November in a friendly against Saudi Arabia. I finished off that season with 16 goals in all competition, second only to Bas Dost. I'd also accumulated 20 assists during the season. Kevin De Bruyne? No. No. 20 assists? Romelu Lukaku? No. With that output, I was named the league's player of the season and also included in the team of the season. What year was this again, sorry? This is 2017. I scored my first goal for the national team in a World Cup warm-up game against Algeria. Riyad Mahrez? No. In 2018, along with a number of teammates and coaches, I'm nowhere near getting this. I was injured after being attacked by 50 supporters at the club training ground after we finished third in the league and we missed out on a Champions League spot. In the 2018-2019 season, I scored my 23rd goal of the season in a 3-1 win against Porto Monense. Timo, no, it's not Timo. No. This broke the club's record for goals scored by a midfielder, which was set by Antonio Oliveira in 1982. It's definitely a midfielder. On the 5th of May, I scored a hat-trick against Belenense. This meant I broke the record for the highest-scoring midfielder in a single season within the Bruno league. Bruno Fernandes? It's Bruno Fernandes. Oh, no. <laughs> it is Bruno Fernandes. Get so, in, son! So he finished the season 2018-2019 actually as the, the top-scoring midfielder in all of Europe. Um, so I, I thought when I started talking about a, a midfielder with that type of scoring record, you'd, you'd get close, so... I knew he had a, a really good goal scoring record before he came, yeah. Yeah, so Wade's taken the league. Get in, son. <laughs> I, think, I think this is actually the first time I've led since the podcast has started, so I might have to pop a bottle of red after this. Connell <laughs> uh, doesn't look too happy, Connell. You're right. <laughs> <He doesn't. laughs> I wasn't even close to getting that, so I can't even complain. Yeah, look, uh, I'm still, I'm still hung up. I'm still hung up on the bloody Obama Yang one from last week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so this one, yeah, I I did say this player is still playing uh, in the league, and Mm. and yeah, he is, he is. Mm. I I said a double, (laughs) double check there. Had to think Uh, about it, huh? All right, ready to go. We know the we know the drill for this one. Um, I'm going to call out my teammates' names um, of players I've played with over my career. By the end of it, hopefully, you guys can guess who I am. Adrian, Alan Shearer, Alan Smith, 
Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Alvaro Negredo, Ashley Young, Sagna, Brad Friedel, Carlos Tevez, Celestine Babayaro, Charles Nzogvia, Christian Benteke, Craig Bellamy. Sorry, you're going to name any... It is James Milner. Oh, my. I still asked you a question. <laughs> yeah. Get it. Wow. Get it. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. I'm really Get impressed. So, so take us through how you got to that one, Wade. Uh, I was, was thinking it? of Aston Villa. Uh, yeah. And then I was thinking of a really old player, honestly. So just, <laughs> <laughs> James Milner. I know. I, I, think, I think you called James Milner out the week a couple of weeks ago when we were going back as well. So I was like, and you were surprised. Well, no, there, yeah, you there go. was some, there was some real, real, um, interesting names, <laughs> you know, so we've got Emil Heskey, Egbang Lahore, you've got Gareth Barry, Giuseppe players, Rossi, yeah. Harry Kuehl, Jerome Boateng, Lucas wow. Radebe. You know, Where did he play with Jerome Boateng? Uh, Man City. Boateng was signed oh. for City in his early days. John Carew. Um, Radebe was a was an interesting one. So obviously he spent some time in in Leeds. Yeah, had Michael Michael Owen um, in his time at Newcastle. Um, Nicky Butt again at Newcastle. Obafemi Martins, Owen Hargreaves, Patrick Clivert. Wow. I mean, there was there were some really interesting names. So I, I thought it might, wow, look, I'm impressed, right? <laughs> Just like that, you've gone from <laughs> two behind to two ahead. Yeah, wow. Uh, the guy's got, I, I the guy's might got be, four in a row without hey, I might be the next Mikel Arteta. No? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. He's on a run. He is on a run. <laughs> hey. uh, well done, Wade. I can't take it away from you. I can Thanks, honestly man. say three out of the four answers I was nowhere near getting, but I'm still pissed off about that Obama Yang. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the grave with that one, huh? Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, it's it's like whenever it's a Liverpool player, Connell never gets it. The only never. one he got was Sadio Mane. <laughs> yeah, that was after one clue. After, after one, one clue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you clocked the game at that stage, but uh, ever since, whenever I get a Liverpool player, I knew I'd catch you again with a Liverpool player. I'm still asking a question. Yeah, that's what was the question answer. anyway? What, yeah, what were you asking? I was going to ask are you naming into uh, before because last week you said about any international teammates. Yeah, there's none. none. Yeah, I'm still away from clear. Anyway, who cares what the question was? He got the bloody answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I guess uh, another successful trivia trivia one. Let's see how our, our listeners went this week if they managed to get that before the pundits Wade and Conway. I guess that brings us to an end. But we might just really quickly, guys, maybe for one minute. I guess the uh, Premier League is back this weekend. Uh, looking forward to, obviously, the Liverpool-Arsenal game. Well, I'm looking forward slightly. The amount of injuries we currently have coming back from in this international break is beyond ridiculous. We may have no midfield uh, for you guys. I think there's nearly seven to eight people potentially out for us this weekend, which is crazy. Sadio Mane uh, got injured. Henderson got uh, Anyway, the list goes on. But I guess Premier League back. So, yeah, looking forward to that uh, Arsenal-Liverpool uh, game this weekend. Wade? Yeah, obviously that's the one that jumps out as well. Um, after the run we've been on, I, I, I think even with those players out, I'm, I'm not confident of going there and getting a result, to be honest. Um, 
but I think if we do, it could really be a big statement, um, especially after the Leicester results. I think a lot of people expected us to slip up there. So if we can go to Liverpool and get a win, um, we could really kick on from there. So uh, obviously all eyes will be on that. But Leicester-Chelsea to begin the weekend is also a juicy fixture. Um, yeah. Leicester at home. So uh, we'll see. And then uh, obviously Stevie G making his debut against Brighton. So it's going to be interesting to see how he starts off. It's, he's got a tough run. I was looking at his um, his first few fixtures. It's not going to be easy. So I'm just happy Premier League's back this weekend, to be honest. Amen. Brad, it's you. I'm worried about the game against Watford. Uh, I think uh, Watford, they gave a good account to themselves um, against Arsenal. Um, I think um, I think even... Um, the circumstances in terms of where the goal was scored, Ranieri wasn't happy, but he's got them looking more solid, looking more like a team that can um, upset. And United are broken at the moment, so I'm expecting a, a sloppy game with the moment of individual brilliance by one of our players to win it. Um, so, which keeps Oli in the job for a little bit longer. Um, so. I don't, know, I don't know if we can say I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think that's just the reality of, of, of this weekend's game. But uh, Sounding all... ominous, man. Sounding very ominous. Yeah, I am looking forward to maybe watching the, the Leicester game. I think uh, first game of the weekend, Chelsea look, Chelsea look ominous uh, in terms of getting results. Um, I think they might have a couple of bodies back in this week as well. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting game. I think a lot of Still a lot of speculation about Rodgers and United. I think the, the latest was he was he was shopping for a house in Manchester. Um, so whatever that means. So let, let's see what what he can do with his Leicester team against against Chelsea. And then obviously the Arsenal Liverpool game. Um, yeah, yeah, look, uh, <laughs> you know, either way, hopefully you you'll both drop points and United closes the gap. Well, look, I'll put this a record straight with Rogers uh, looking for a house in Manchester. He's probably just looking for somewhere to put that giant painting of himself. Um, <laughs> and I think he, he thinks Manchester will be the best place for it. <laughs> uh, there you have it, folks. We thank you for joining us. We hope you've entertained you on this international break and you find some solace listening to the three of us jamber on about the greatest managers to ever don the Premier League era. It's been fun bringing you another episode. We are going to bid you adieu until next week. We will be back full of action and, of course, talking about the Premier League weekend results, which will no doubt throw a couple of curveballs amongst us all. So until then, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and, of course, catch us on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. But for another week, we bid you adieu, and we will see you all next week, same time, same place.